0: Daniel chapter 5. Look at verse 1. Belshazzar, the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousands. So this is a huge feast that this king's putting on. There's thousands of people, thousands of very important people are brought to this feast. And look at verse 2. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, uh oh, that's a mistake right there. Commanded to bring the gold and silver vessels with his father which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines might drink therein. That's going to be a really stupid thing he's about to do. And notice he does this stupid thing while what? While he tasted the wine. Guys, I'm here to tell you that alcohol makes you do stupid things. <laughs> it makes you do really stupid things I don't know how many times I was sitting in my break room and I'm sitting in the break room and they'll be talking about like the last thing I can remember specifically some guy around July 4th he put a, either a bottle rocket or some kind of rocket thing up on top of his head and tried to light it off and it killed him it killed him but, you know, obviously it, I don't know if it blew up on his head or whatever but poor, the poor guy died and there's guys at the table don't go to church, don't have anything to do with God drink all weekend long you know what they said I guarantee you there was alcohol involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet you there was. Because nine times out of ten, when you read your newspaper or you pick up the or you look something on TV and there's something stupid happened, somebody did something stupid, or it's a crime, be it murder or rape, there's alcohol involved. Amen. Nine times out of ten. That's a big elephant in the room nobody wants to talk about. Yeah. So listen to this person that goes and he. He tries to talk to teenagers about alcohol in the high schools. He goes into the high schools. You know what he said? He said, when I go into these high schools and I teach about the dangers of alcohol and drinking beer, and I tell them that beer kills brain cells, he said, that doesn't affect them one bit. Yeah. He said, you know how I get to them? When I tell them it's going to make them fat. He said, that reaches them. We're so vain. That's what he says. I can tell them about all the dangers. I can show them videos. But when I tell them that drinking a beer is going to make you fat, That'll affect some of those kids where well, they won't drink. Verse three. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines drank in them. Uh-oh. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver and of brass, of iron, of wood and of stone. His grandfather Nebuchadnezzar, when he destroyed the temple, and he took all the vessels out, and he brought them back to Babylon. When he brought back Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the other people, some of the other Jews, when he brought them back, he brought all these vessels back they were using in the temple. Well, he says, I, he says, bring those vessels out. I'm going to drink wine to my gods in those vessels. Stupid, stupid, stupid. And he did this while he was getting drunk. Well, he's about to get sobered up. Verse 5, In the same hour came forth the fingers of, of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote draw party and there's thousands of people in this feast and everything's going great and it says that you see the hand and it appeared it said appeared over against the candlestick so god did this want everybody to see it this wasn't done in a corner this wasn't done in some kind of secret room this was done so everybody could sit by the candlestick a hand appeared and started writing on the wall don't you know there were some women in there and started screaming and there's some people in there that started swallowing really hard. I'm telling you, some people started sobering up when they seen the handwriting on the wall. Amen. The handwriting on the wall. Let's see what happens with the king. Then the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him. So that the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against another. I love this old Bible we preach out. I love the word of God. It says that this old king that has power to kill, this old king that can tell somebody, you're going to die and he can kill him. He sees the handwriting on the wall. He sees the hand on the wall writing and his knees literally started smoking together. See, I grew up watching a lot of Bugs Bunny cartoons, so I got this visual in my mind. Real easy. Scared him out of his mind to see the hand. See guys, if y'all look up here, It's just a hand. Nobody screamed out. Nobody's knees started shaking. It's just a hand. What's so scary about a hand? What's so scary about some words up on a wall? Think about that. What's so scary about that? What's so scary about somebody just standing here? Will you put that same person just standing here and put them behind a door? And you walk through that door? Nine times out of ten, you're going to get some reaction out of that, aren't you? What are you doing just standing there? I'm just standing here. Try that sometimes. Try it on your wife. See if you get your supper that night. Haven't <laughs> you had have people scare you like that? Amen. Amen. May it make you jump, about, jump out of your socks. What's so scary about somebody just standing there behind the door? What's so scary about some hand, just some hand writing on the wall? There's nothing scary about this. It's just words. It's just words. It's the context and the situation. He that believeth not the sun shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Those are just words. The wrath of God abideth on him. Those are just words, amen. And those words have been said all through the ages. I've said those words to men that I've been trying to witness to. But they're just words. And you see those men or women, they, they listen to those words. They don't mean nothing to them. But those same words, when you're standing before a living and holy God. And he's up on a throne. And you know you're standing before a God that's holy. And that he has a son named Jesus Christ that died for your sins. Those words are going to be a whole lot more important to you. When you, when you hear it, it says, and the wrath of God abideth on him. Those words across that man, and woman's mind, and they're going to think, I should have been listening. I should have been listening to the handwriting on the wall. The king seen the hand, and it was just scribbling up there. Man, how creepy would that be, honestly? Oh, these are our gods. These are our gods. I'll oh, see so you see a hand start writing out by the candlestick so everybody can see it. Yeah, there's a reason why his knees are smoking together. Verse 7, the king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. And the king spake and said unto the wise men of Babylon, Whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck. And shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Goes to the wrong people. Over and over again, as we've gone through the book of Daniel, we notice that these people, they have something dramatic happen in their life, and they need to be an interpreter. They need somebody to tell them what's going on, and they go to the wrong people every single time. Yeah. Verse 8, Then came in all the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing, nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. Of course they can't. Interpretation belongs to the Holy Spirit. And if, you, if God's writing something down, unless you have the Holy Spirit living in you, you're not going to understand what God's wrote down. You can read this book a hundred times, it's not going to make any sense to you. Even with the Holy Spirit, a lot of it's not going to make sense to you, amen? But he'll reveal stuff to you when you're ready for it, when he's ready for you to know it, he'll reveal it for you. But without the Holy Spirit, you have no chance to understand what God's wrote on a wall, or what he's wrote in a book. Verse 9, Then was the king Belshazzar greatly troubled. And his countenance was changed in him, and his lords were astonished. Astonied is like he's, like they're turned to stone, they're just frozen, petrified. We, the word, we get the word astonished from that, just like they don't know what to say. Well, I'd be kind of a little scared too. When you take some God's cup and some God's vessels, and you're drinking at them, and you're praising some other God, and all of a sudden a hand starts writing on the wall. Yeah, that would kind of change my countenance too. It'd sober me up. Now guys, I'm going to read through some verses here. It's going to take me a little while. Because I want to read this whole chapter. I'm going to read through some verses here. But just, it's the word of God. Amen. So let's go through this together. Read with me. And some of this is going to be, the, this is going to be some of the most reading out of the Bible y'all going to get all week long. And it shouldn't be that way. Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house. And the queen spake, spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom... In whom is the spirit of the holy gods, and in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, was found in him whom the king Nebuchadnezzar thy father. The king, I say, thy father, made master, ma- made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. For as much as an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding, interpreting of dreams, and showing of hard sentences, and dissolving of doubts, were found in the same Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar, now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. So this queen has a little bit of common sense. hey, your granddad, he used this guy. He was really, really smart. He would bring him in. You need to bring this guy in. His name is Daniel. Verse 13, then was Daniel brought in before the king, and the king spake and said unto Daniel, Art thou that, Daniel, which art of the children of the captivity of Judah, whom the king my father brought out of Jewelry? I have even heard of thee, that the spirit of the gods is in thee, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. And now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me, that they should read this writing, and make known unto me the interpretation thereof, but they could not show the interpretation of the thing. Of course they couldn't. And I have heard of thee, thou canst make interpretation and dissolve doubts. Now if thou canst read the writing, and make known to me the interpretation thereof, thou shalt be clothed with scarlet, and have a chain of gold about thy neck, and shalt be the third ruler in the kingdom. Notice he's being offered the third ruler in the kingdom and later on he's going to be pronounced the third ruler in the kingdom. Joseph is the greatest type of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament and he's made the second ruler of the kingdom. God the Father, God the Son. Daniel is the greatest type of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and he's going to be the third ruler. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Daniel is a great type of the Holy Spirit. Verse 17. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let thy gifts be to thyself and give thy rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing unto the king and make known to him the interpretation. Friends, you don't need to have a dollar in your pocket to find out what God has for you. You don't need to have a dollar in your pocket to know what God expects out of you. You can get a Bible from just about any... I can't imagine there not being a church. And you don't go knock on a church door. I don't care if it's Episcopalian or Lutheran or what it might be. And you knock on a door and say, can I have a Bible? They wouldn't go find you a Bible. God wants you to know how he feels about you. None of this stuff is hidden. And if you can't read or you have a hard time understanding it, there's a preacher, there's a pastor, there's a Christian, there's a brother and sister in Christ that can open up a little bit of it. Even if they don't know a lot about the Bible, they can show you John chapter 3. They can show you Romans chapter 10. They can show you some of this stuff and you can know how God what God expects out of you without having a dollar in your pocket. There's no excuse. The salvation of God is so amazing because it's all by faith. It don't matter. See, faith doesn't take a dollar bill. Faith doesn't matter if you're in a wheelchair. Faith doesn't matter if you're blind. Faith doesn't matter if you're crippled. Faith is faith. It's not of works. If there's any kind of works involved, you'd say, well, I don't have the money to do those works. Or I don't have the physical ability to do those works. Or I don't have the mental capability to do those works, God. God says, no, I want you to come to me by faith in my son Jesus Christ. Because by faith, a little child can believe and somebody in their older years can believe. It's all about faith. And God expects you to come to him that way. You don't have to have a dollar or anything else. And that's why Daniel says, I don't need any of your money. But I'm going to tell you what it means. Verse 18, O thou king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And he did do that. Verse 19, And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him, whom he would slew and whom he would keep alive, he kept alive, and whom he would set up and whom he would he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened his pride and pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. And he was driven from the sons of men and his heart was made like the beast and his dwelling was with the wild asses. They fed him with grass like oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the most high God ruled in the kingdom of men and that he appointed it over it whomsoever he will. That's a story that I preached some Sundays back about Nebuchadnezzar and he had that lycanthropy disease where he thought he was an animal and God touched his mind and he went crazy. That's what Daniel's reminded Belshazzar. Hey, your grandfather, God dealt with your grandfather because he was prideful and he was lifted up just like Belshazzar. And he's reminding him. But look at verse 22. And thou his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart Though thou knewest all this, hey, you know what happened to your grandfather, and you still haven't humbled your heart. You know the truth, and you still won't humble your heart. Guys, I don't care. There's incredible, amazing power in humbleness in the Bible. And I know I hit on it all the time, and I know I've preached on it lately, and I've hit on it all the time. But guys, if you will just find a way to humble yourself down, God will lift you up. I've seen it over and over and over again in the Old Testament. Ahab, the worst king God ever had in Israel, the worst king Ahab. It just took him humbling down. And God says, see how he's humbled down? I'm not going to do what I was going to do to him now. Just by humbling yourself down. I don't care if you're, a, what kind of sinner you're, I don't care what kind of sins you've done. I don't want to know what you've done. But God's here to tell you, if you'll humble yourself down, you can be saved. Yeah, I mean. See, a repentance is, a repentance to God is a humbling down. It takes humbleness. You know what? It takes a humble spirit to say, "I'm wrong." I know this sounds easy because you know I'm saying it. I'm wrong. But go home and be honest with yourself, and get down on your knees to God and say, "God, I am wrong. I'm a sinner." It sounds real easy to say it, but there's something in us. There's a pride that's in us that doesn't want to admit it. But you are every one of y'all. You're sinners. Amen. Aren't you glad you got a Savior like Jesus Christ Amen. and a Savior? Amen. I'm not just going to give you the bad. That's the way God is. It's what makes God so wonderful. He gives you a lot of bad stuff, and you're like, uh-oh. But God always has got a good side you can go to. He never just tells you, hey, you're sorry, and you're no good, and you can't make it. That's what he does tell you. But then he goes, but i got a plan for you over here. See, that would be a wicked and cruel God that said, you know what, you're sorry, you're no good, you're not going to make it, so good luck. He says, No, I've got a way. I paid it all over here. You can come over here. So what makes God so amazing. At least, amazing to me, because, see, that's where I'm at. I need God to help me out. Hey, he hey though, thou, though thou knewest all this, well, we, we're living in a country. Their mom has told them, their dad has told them, their granddad, their grandma's told them, preachers have told them, their friends have told them. Sometimes I hear it on the radio, sometimes I hear it on TV. Very little of it, but sometimes they will, that Jesus Christ is God's way. For salvation they got the truth in america america doesn't want the truth it's like jack nicholson said in that movie he's on trial and they're saying they want the truth and he said you can't handle the truth that's what americans are they can't handle the truth it's obvious to me and just the last month i'm looking at america i'm like we're full of a but we're living in an ostrich society that puts their head in the sand and thinks it's all going to go away and it's not if you go on the internet and you type in planned parenthood and pull up some of the videos I have of Planned Parenthood where they're showing them laughing and joking about cutting up little babies and selling their livers that they've aborted and selling this to this place and selling that to that. Cutting up little babies that they've aborted and they're laughing about it and trying to talk about how they're going to make money off of that. These people should be in jail. Where are our leaders in this? Where's the outcry? America sees that on TV and and they turn the channel. And they turn to a sporting event, and they'll be up there singing, God bless America. And people will be standing up there just smiling. And I got a question for every one of them. Why should God bless America? Could you tell me a reason? I'm having a hard time finding one. I, I really am. I think this is, what, if, this is what I'd make them do. This is kind of law I'd pass. I'd say, okay, you're going to have an abortion. You think you're going to have an abortion. Okay, that's fine. You come in here, and you're going to have that abortion. But what we're going to make you do is you've got to stay, and you've got to see what they're going to do with your little baby. You're going to stand right there on that table and you're going to watch them cut up your little baby they just aborted and they're going to tell you that they're going to send that for $1,000 and that's going to be $3,000. You can't handle the truth. We're living in an ostrich society. We're living in a wicked society. The handwriting's on the wall. Thou knewest this? Daniel says, you knew all this. You know what happens to societies and to governments and to kingdoms and to nations that forsake God. The Bible tells us. what We can look through history and see what happens. God tells us he's going to turn all those nations into hell. And we're living in that nation. You know, I turn on the TV and they're talking about this Ashley Madison. All these men are going on this website and they're trying to cheat on their wives. And that's what the whole website's for. Just to cheat on your wife. That's what it's all about. And I was at a a local convenience store and I overheard these people talking and I don't know if this is true or not. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. They said there was over a thousand accounts just out of Brownwood. A thousand. There's only twenty thousand people in Brownwood. You tell me one in twenty are on that website trying to cheat on their wife. And the hackers got a hold of it and they spread all this stuff about and all these people are getting divorced and all this stuff is happening. There's lawsuits and everything. When is anybody going to stop and say, what's the truth of this? What? What's the truth of why there's so many men trying to cheat on their wives? What is the truth to that? Is it because we have a society that does everything it can to sell sex? You sell toothpaste with sex, you sell cars with sex. You turn on every commercial's got sex in it. It's innuendo, sexual. In- Everything's about sex in the society, and then we're surprised when our men are out trying to have sex everywhere. They can't handle the truth. You know, I turn on the TV and there's a there's a TV reporter and there's a cameraman and they're getting shot and killed by this guy on live TV. Just bam, bam, and then he's killing this up trying to kill this other lady. The first thing they do. This is my experience. First thing I heard them do, they tried to make a victim out of that guy that shot them. That's the first thing they did. They tried to make a victim out of him. Well, they were saying racial comments towards him, and they were doing this and they were that. And the second thing I heard was the White House issued a statement that we need to have more gun control. Guys, when are they going to look at the truth? The truth is that gun didn't kill that journalist, the murderer killed the journalist. That's what happened. I was in a truck with Brother Ronnie and Brother Gary and we were riding around doing our thing. He had a gun sitting right there, a rifle sitting right there by his, in, in his, the front bed of his truck. A rifle right there. I wasn't worried about that gun killing me. But if I was in that truck with the wrong person, I'd be worried about that gun killing me. It's not the guns killing people. It's the people. Amen. And the question is that the truth I want the society to look at is what's causing all these people to act crazy? When are they going to ask the right questions? The question isn't like, what do we do about guns? It's what do we do about these crazy people? Because if you took the guns away, he would have clubbed them to death. He would have strangled them with his own hands. It's the person. Amen. Why are people going crazy? And I look at this society, I say, well, there's no God. We don't want God in our government. We don't want God in our schools. We don't want God in our life. Get God out of here. I don't want God. And with no God, there's no hope. When Nebuchadnezzar forsook God, God reached right down there with one finger and went, let me touch your mind. And Nebuchadnezzar went crazy. What happened with him? He went out there and started eating grass like an ox. You just read it. That just took one finger of God going, okay, ding, that's America. We forsake God, and God says, okay, you want to act like an animal? You want to be like you're an animal? Then I'm going to let you act like an animal. And these people are going nuts all over. The truth is, is they took guns out of the schools. They took guns out of the government, but guns have been out of the homes way before any of this. They were took out of our homes way before we started taking them out of school. Verse 23, but has lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven and they have brought the vessels of his house before thee and thou and thy lords, thy wives, and thy concubines have drunk wine in them and thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold of brass iron, wood and stone which see not or hear nor know and the God in whose hand thy breath is and whose are all thy ways has thou not glorified. So he's did three things wrong here, Daniel says. He's bowed up to God, he's praised false gods and he did not glorify the God of God. In the end of verse 23, he says, God, whose hand thy breath is and whose are all thy way. If you are underneath need the sound of my voice, God's got control of your life. And you need to realize that. The handwriting's on the wall. I've been preaching for about 20-something minutes, and not one of y'all, I don't think, not one of y'all said, Oh, I forgot to make my heart beat. You, had, you didn't have to think about your heart beating. God was beating your heart for you. Amen. And that's in his hand. Verse 24, then was a part of the hand sent from him. And this writing was written. This is God writing. This is God writing on the wall. Verse 25, and this is the writing that was written. This is what was on the wall. Many, many, tekel euphorism. That interpreted is numbered, numbered, weighed divisions. Now Daniel's good to give the interpretation of that. Verse 26, this is interpretation of the thing. Many, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. It's numbered. Your days are numbered. I don't know your number. I've got friends that didn't live past 14. I've got a mom that didn't live, live past 44. Your days are numbered. Now, that doesn't worry me. It doesn't worry me because I know where I'm going to go when I take my last breath. I know when God says, your number's pulled, King, and put, I'm about to touch your heart and you're about to fall over dead. I know where I'm going to wake up in the arms of Jesus Christ. I know I'm going to wake up in heaven. And it's not anything that Kicking Hall did. It's all because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. But do you know that? Amen. Hey, the handwriting's on the wall. Everybody's day's numbered. Everybody. That should make your knees smoke if you don't know Jesus Christ. Like this king. Many, many. Numbered, numbered. Verse 27 Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and are found wanting. Your days are numbered, and guys, if you look at what you've lived and how you've lived, you're going to find that you're wanting. You're going to find it's not what it should have been. You're about to be put on a scale. You're about to be weighed. And see, the world thinks, okay, this is how I'm going to be weighed. I'm going to stand before God, and God's going to put all my bad sins on this side, and God's going to put all the good things I did on this side. And when he weighs it out, if my good outweighs my bad, then I'll get to go to heaven. And if my bad outweighs my good, then he'll make me go to a place called hell. Maybe, if there is a place called hell, is what they'll tell you. Uh-uh. That's not how God's going to weigh you. God's going to put you over here on this scale, and then you're going to look at the other scale, and there's going to be a man named Jesus Christ. How are you going to stand to that? you not. You don't have a chance. And you're going to look at that holy God, and you're going to look at this holy son of his, and you're going to say, there's no comparison. I didn't love my enemies. I'm in trouble. Yes, friend, you are in trouble. But see, there's a way out. God can take you and take you off this side of the scale and he can put you in Jesus Christ. You can have that blood atonement that was shed on the cross of Calvary. All those sins you've done, you can have them covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And God can take you and put you over here so you won't be weighed. But see, we're so prideful. We're so self-righteous. We really think that we're going to get up to heaven, some of us, and we think that God's going to look at us and say, well, he wasn't such a bad old boy. She wasn't such a bad old girl. She tried to go to church. She tried to do this. That's not how God weighs things. And I'm not God, and I can't tell you how God thinks. But I can tell you out of the Word of God that He says that he, your righteousness are as filthy rags. Amen. There's nothing you can do. There's none righteous, no, not one. Those are God's words. Those are God's handwriting on the wall. That's what God wrote, and it should scare you if you're not saved. All right, verse 27. Tackle that. Weighed and bounces are found wanting. Verse 28. Perez. Now, Perez is the singular of uh, eupharism. And Perez means divided. Thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. God's going to take you. Your days are numbered. You're going to have a day that's numbered that you don't know. I don't know. But God knows it. And you're going to die. Boom. You're dead. You wake up. You're going to wake up. God's going to pull you before the throne. And he's going to get ready to judge you. And you're going to be weighed. And you're going to be found wanting. And then he's going to divide the lost from the saved. He's going to divide the lost from the saved. Jesus Christ said, I'll put the sheep on my right hand and I'll put the goats on the left hand. And the goats are going to go to a devil's hell. that's never prepared for you and me. It's prepared for the devil and his angels. But that's where the goats are going to go. Your days are numbered. You're going to get weighed. What are you going to do about it? You need to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Before you get up there and you get weighed. Verse 28, Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the medes. And the Persians. Verse 29, then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet and put a chain of gold about his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. The problem with this verse is that Belshazzar doesn't do anything about it. The handwriting's on the wall, many, many tackle Upharsin. It's up there. You've been numbered, you've been numbered. You're gonna be weighed, you're gonna be divided. And Belshazzar says, Oh, that's great, you told me what it means. Here, Daniel, I'm gonna give you this and that. He doesn't do anything about it. Because the final problem with Belshazzar, which is a lot of the problem that's going on here in America, a lot of the problem when you deal with lost people is, they think there's going to be another day. I'll do that in the future. I'll do that later on down the road. And later on down the road never comes. You're not guaranteed another 20 years. Guys, you're not guaranteed another hour. I wish I could guarantee you that. I can't guarantee you anything. All I can guarantee you is that God has wrote down that He's going to judge you, and if you want to get out of that judgment, you're going to need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because yeah. look at verse 30. He made the mistake of thinking there was going to come another day, and in that night, in that night, was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain, and Darius the Median took the kingdom, being about three score and two years old. That very night, Belshazzar went to meet his Maker. He'd been numbered. He'd had the, listen, the handwriting literally was on the wall. And he thought, that's great, that's neat that he interpreted that. And he never did anything about it. Don't leave this church without settling what you got to get settled with God. I don't care if you're a Christian. If you're a Christian in here and you've got, there's things between you and God, maybe you've backslidden, maybe you're not doing some things you should be doing. Don't leave this church without getting right with God. You can get right with him right there. You can come down here and get on the altar. Whatever you need to do. But the point is, is you don't want to leave this church being wrong with God and something happened, and you wake up. You know, what, how sad will it be if we're a Christian? We're saved and we we'll wake up and there's Jesus Christ and he has that look of disappointment in his eyes. I had so much for you to do and I had to pull your number because you were embarrassing the family. this is Pastor Keegan Hall at Indian Gap Baptist Church. I got a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? Do you realize the Bible says you can know that you have eternal life? And Jesus Christ encouraged us in John chapter 3 verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Are you saved? Jesus says, he that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Have you believed in the name of Jesus Christ? Romans chapter 10 verse 13 tells us, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you think of a time you called on Jesus Christ to save you? Well, if you haven't, friend, I encourage you to get down on your knees and pray as admit you're a sinner and ask Jesus Christ to save you the best way you know how. And I'm here to tell you that he will save you. Now, if you prayed that prayer or if you'd like to get a hold of us, contact us at indiangapbaptist.com, indiangapbaptist.com. Until next time, God bless.